Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, we'll uh, go to our new hymn of the month here, Glorious Things of you are spoken. So I don't know if you've heard it before. Lord, um, I think we'll just go for it. We'll just go for it. Yeah, okay. It's also, I believe, the German national anthem. So. Glorious things of you are spoken, Zion, city of our God. He whose word cannot be broken, formed you for his own abode. On the rock of ages founded, what can shake your sure repose? With salvation's walls surrounded, you may smile at all your foes. See the streams of living waters springing from eternal love. Well, supply your sons and daughters and all fear of what remove who can faint while such a river ever will the thirst assuage grace which like the lord the giver never fails from age to age Round each habitation hovering, see the cloud and fire appear for a glory and a covering, showing that the Lord is near, thus deriving from their banner. Light by night and shade by day, safe they feed upon the manna which God gives them on their way. Save your sense of Zion City, either grace a member am. Let the world deride and pity, I will glory in your name, fading 
are the world's vain pleasures, all their posted pop and show, solid joys and lasting treasures, none but science children know. All right, we'll continue with the uh, catechism memory work. What is the sacrament of the altar? It is the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. And the Bible memory work. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 10:16. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And Luther's morning prayer. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul in all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless us and keep us. Amen. All right, on that, um, uh, kids can go off to Sunday school. On the hymn of the month, uh, glorious things of you are spoken. Um, I was excited to choose this one because when I, when I was in high school and I went to this two-week academy at the seminary that kind of made me start thinking about being a pastor called the uh, Christ Academy, um, you got to take classes with the seminary professors and stuff. And one of the classes that we took, um, the professor had us start the class by standing up and singing this hymn. And so it was, you know, like 30 high school guys, uh, you know, in a small classroom belting out this hymn. And at first, you know, we, we were timid about it, but uh, he, he'd like really like egg us on, you know, to sing it proudly. And um, it, it was uh, the first time I, I remember thinking like that singing hymns is not weird or like, especially as a high school guy, you know, is not, um, it's not just like for the, for the ladies in the church choir to do. Like, <laughs> it's for the congregation to do. And especially for the men to do, right? Like, it sounded uh, great whenever you had a bunch of guys yeah. singing together mm-hmm. there. And um, yeah. so anyway, uh, th- this hymn has a kind of a special place uh, for me, if you will. But uh, it's a great hymn. And... I'll talk, we'll talk more about the text of it in the coming weeks. But uh, one thing I'll mention about the tune that, that I did mention briefly is I, I believe 
unless I have it backwards, but I'm pretty sure this is right, that this is the tune to the German national anthem. Can anyone confirm that? Anyone remember the Olympics? Okay. Um, but anyway, yeah, the I believe it's called like um, Austria is the name of the tune. Anyway, the the this was the original tune that went with this hymn, and then in the I can't remember which hymnal it was. I have to double check here. Maybe it might be in this one here. Um, in this blue hymnal, they they switched the tune because people had a bad taste in their mouths about about Germany uh, because of the world wars. And but then in this hymnal, in in our current hymnal, in the 2006 hymnal, they. Oh, you're fine. Oh, let me see. Okay, no, it must have been the other hymnal because this is the same tune. Um, I think so. In the in the 1940s hymnal. You're good. Yeah, yeah, it's same tune. Yeah. So okay, I remember now. Okay, so. In the old, in the old red hymnal, in the what year was what year was TLH? Was it 53? I think yeah, that sounds right. In the 53 hymnal, they used a different tune because it was right after World War II. Oh. Um, for this song. For this for this oh. hymn, but then in the 80s when they brought it back, um, but this was the original tune. And anyway, it's actually a great tune. It was originally a hymn tune, and then the Germans wow. were like. They like it. I mean, Lutherans and Germany, right? And kind of right. go, they go hand in hand. So, they were like, we're gonna use a Lutheran hymn tune as our, as our national anthem. So, um, anyway, kind of fun, fun history there. But, yeah, enough people don't have the those same connotations anymore about Germany that we can, we can sing it again, I guess. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. Um, so anyway, it's a good hymn. We'll, we'll talk more about the text next week. I will point out um, that in that first stanza, uh, the last line, you may smile at all your foes. In the church service today, we're talking about St. Michael and all angels. And we're going to be talking about angels along with the devil and, and demons and, and all of that good stuff. So um, it is always good to remember that we may smile at our foes Mm. when we have Christ on our side. Sorry, I got too much stuff in my binder here. Trying to, I'll take care of it later. All right. Uh, The catechism memory work is pretty straightforward. Uh, What is the sacrament of the altar? True body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ under the bread and wine instituted by Christ himself for us Christians to eat and to drink. And uh, then 1 Corinthians 10:16, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Um, one thing I'll just point out there is that the construction. This is a, a bit of a nerdy thing, but the um, I think sometimes people will take this verse from 1 Corinthians 10 and say that Paul is asking a real question there. 
And, uh, you know, maybe the answer is, is no. But to try and argue against the reality of the Lord's Supper being Jesus' body and blood. But the Greek actually doesn't allow for that. So that's a kind of uninformed argument. The, uh, the construction of there's, – there's two different constructions for rhetorical questions in the Greek language, and one necessitates that the answer is yes. One necessitates that the answer is no, and this is the one that necessitates that the answer is yes. So the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? Paul is – they're saying obviously. Right. Yes, it is. So um, anyway, just fun fact for you there. All right. Moving on then. All right. So last week we finished up the, the prophet Micah, and now we're moving on to the prophet Habakkuk. Um, Habakkuk is between Nahum and Zephaniah, I believe. Yes, Zephaniah in your Bibles. So in those last books of the Old Testament, um, if you have a Bible, if you need one, there you go. Um, and Habakkuk is a one of the prophets of Judah, of course. That's what we're we've been talking about. Is the prophets of Judah, and um, let me just uh, get that sheet here. So. I, I believe the dating on this is pretty good. Yeah. So we have a pretty good rough idea, a pretty good rough idea of when Habakkuk prophesied. And uh, the that if you have one of these sheets, the it, it dates him around the the 600s, the second half of the 600s, and the early 500s, which is. Um, about right, and as you'll see there, there's a number of prophets that prophesy during this time. But uh, the reason that we can date him to around that time is for a couple reasons. One is that in one verse six, he prophesies uh, from he receives a prophecy from the Lord, and the Lord says, "I am raising up the Chaldeans, a better and hasty nation." And the Chaldeans are the basically they're the kind of educated class of the Babylonians. So they're 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 the it's basically he's saying I'm raising up Babylon. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar, oh does it say I'm it raising? Says up? I'm raising up Babylonians. Okay, yeah. So Chaldeans, Babylonians, Chaldeans. I think um, they're trying to make it simple. In that in that translation to understand, um, but specifically it's the Chaldeans, which is the educated class of Babylon, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself was was one of the Chaldeans, right? So um, first of all, that verse would indicate then that it's during the rise of the power of, of Babylon that that Habakkuk prophesies, and then secondly, um, there is a narrative in the apocrypha called bell and the dragon and in bell and the dragon habakkuk shows up along with daniel and so um as 
Lutherans have always said the Apocrypha is good for understanding some of history that we don't get in the Bible. And um, if that is true, which, which I believe it is, then Habakkuk and Daniel would have been living at the same time, and we know better when Daniel lives. So um, it's probably around this, this time period. Okay, so um, that's uh, the, the kind of dating, if you will. Let's uh, talk about a little bit more background information. Um, so Habakkuk means the embracer. Habakkuk means embracer, which is kind of an interesting idea. And it's interesting, especially in the notion that the book is addressed to God. And it's this lament. Right? Does everyone know what a lament is? Mm-hmm. So it's a com- it's a prayer of complaint. Mm-hmm. So uh, but a good complaint. Right. Not a not a complaint like, you know, we. We teach our kids, like, don't complain. You know, if you're given something by someone, you know, don't complain about it, right? But uh, a complaint that there really is some sort of injustice that needs to be dealt with. And 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 a person is complaining to God or lamenting to God about this injustice and crying out for God to God for his help. So it's a complaint of faith, if you will. And... That's really what this book is, is a series of laments and then God's response to that. And by the end of the book, um, Habakkuk embraces, if you will, God's response. Right. So this is in some way the whole point of the book. Um, Sometimes you get this with these Old Testament prophets is that their name is kind of the whole point of their existence. Is uh, same with Micah, right? We had with Micah, um, who is like our God, right? Who is like God? That's what Micah means. Is it is it possible that that was a title more than a name? Like yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't know for sure, but obviously God has a history of renaming people. So He renames Abram to Abraham. He renames Sarai to Sarah. He renames Jacob to Israel. Like. That happens. So that you you wonder if that happens with these prophets that they have, they probably were born with different names, um, but then God named them the, this for the purpose of the scriptures. But we don't know. I mean, it's it's possible that God we don't we don't know what happened. It's possible that maybe God um, prophesied and told the uh, you know parents of the child when your child's born, name them this. I mean, that happens with Jesus, right? But we don't we don't know, right? We, it's not it's just not addressed. So, um, anyway, that's kind of an interesting interesting thing that embracing the Lord's answer that He's going to give is in some ways the point. All right, let's talk about some main themes in the book. So the first theme we want to talk about is this idea of lament. Or arguing with God. And the the point we want to make is that this is not wrong, right? It it sounds like um, kind of like I was just saying, right? We we normally teach children and 
and we expect adults that you shouldn't argue with people, right? Complaining, arguing, these things are, are wrong. Well, there is a time to do so, right? And you can imagine instances on this earth as well, right? That if someone is uh, innocent and they're taken to court or they're accused of a crime, right? They should argue their case, right? Well, th- this is true of talking to God, of prayer, right? What is what does God tell us to pray in the Lord's Prayer? What does Jesus himself teach us to pray? Right? Deliver us from evil. Right? That, that's a lament. Right? We live in an evil world and we're asking to be delivered from it. We're asking to be delivered from the evil that we experience. Um, and that's exactly what Habakkuk is doing. So to put it a little, in a little more context, to put some flesh on the bones, um, Habakkuk is living in Judah during their downfall. Right, and they're being constantly harassed by other nations. There's these Judah, these kings of Judah, and these uh, people of Judah around him that are turning to paganism. People, children are being sacrificed. People are worshiping false gods. There's all this evil around him, and he cries out to God and he says, "Oh Lord, how long?" Right, that's the first verse. After well, after the introductory verse, verse two. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and you will not hear me, right? And and you hear you you hear this sometimes with people, where um, and it's actually an, it's a good thing to say, and to vocalize, um, when people go through something and they say, you know, I've been praying to God and I feel like He's not answering me, right? And that's a hard thing, but the the answer is lament. Right? The answer is keep praying. Tell God how you feel. Tell him how you really feel. He's your father in heaven. He wants to hear you. Right? Um, and so I you know, I one thing I wrote down here in my notes is 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 don't be so pious that you can't pray like that. Right? Um, don't let your piety get in the way of being honest with God. So um, this is this is kind of this one theme that is maybe the main theme of the book. Okay, but then what? what's uh, God's answer going to be? Well, part of his answer is going to be that um, something we've come across many times throughout the Old Testament. I think one of the major themes of really the entire Bible, but, but especially the Old Testament, is that God works good out of evil. Right. We saw this, um, if you go way back to 2020, <laughs> um, we, when we went through the book of Genesis in Sunday morning Bible study, at the end of the book of Genesis, what's the major conclusion? When, when Joseph is talking to his brothers, he says, what you meant for evil, God meant for good to bring about the salvation of many. Right? Uh, and this has been a theme throughout the whole Old Testament, that every step of the way, when man works evil, God ultimately finds a way to make it good again. And that's going to find its ultimate fruition in the incarnation of Jesus when, when that comes, right? But even in this time of Judah, in this Babylonian captivity, God's going to work this, all this evil into good, right? And he uses, you can see God actively he actively sends the Babylonians and the Chaldeans, right? 
in, in 1 verse 6, like we talked about, God says, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, right? And so God is the one who actively works with the evil that he's given and turns it into something good. Okay, going along with that, another theme of the book is patience. Because what does this idea take, God work works good out of evil, what does this take? This takes time, right? It's not something that happens overnight, right? God doesn't, uh, one day is as a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand days is a thousand years is one day. God, God is outside of time. And, you know, in our life, we think like we get all worried because um, we have a stressful meeting coming up in a couple days or that, you know, we're running behind schedule on our way to the doctor's office or whatever the case may be, right? We always think of things in terms of, of time. And if there's a problem, there's a problem right now and it needs to be solved right now. But God works outside of time, right? God doesn't require problems to be solved right this second, right? This is why Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, right? Worry about the things of today because tomorrow has enough worries for itself, right? Um, it takes patience to see what good God is going to work out of the evil, right? And I always try and tell people you can do this if you look back on your life, right? You don't, you don't have to like, um, I'll just use the church as an example, right? If I look at um let's just say the let's just say the finances right um if i look at the finances for just the month of september i could draw any number of certain conclusions we we were a little bit in the red in september right i could draw i i could say oh no the church is dying right if i just look at september but if i look at the last three years then it might give me a totally different vision, right? You can't take things um, in a in a just a in a narrow vacuum. You have to look over time with patience, right? And so you can look back on your life and you can think about, um, you know, oh, I'm going through hardships now, but look at the hardships that I've been through in the past and how God brought me through it, right? Okay. And then going along with both those things, the final and really the main answer that God gives to Habakkuk's lament is, and this is very Lutheran of us for the Reformation month of October, is that the righteous shall live by faith. And this is um, this verse, this comes from a verse in Habakkuk. Um, Verse uh, chapter two, verse four, and this verse is quoted all over in the New Testament, specifically um, in Romans one seventeen. Which, if you remember, if you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about that verse because that's the verse that Luther has his quote unquote tower moment, where he realizes that righteousness does not come from good works; righteousness comes by faith, and uh, but interestingly, right, so for Luther's context in the book of Romans, 
when he reads that, his context is where does salvation come from? And is it? And it's more of a, it's almost more of a philosophical problem, right? Does salvation come from doing good things, or does salvation come from believing um, by by grace alone? In Habakkuk, the problem is much less philosophical. The problem is how am I going to survive the raid of Babylon, right? How am I going to survive being around this place where children are being sacrificed all the time? Right? How am I going to survive these wicked kings? How am I going to survive living in this terrible society that I live in? So it's much more real in some ways for Habakkuk. I mean, it's real in, in Luther's mind, of course, um, as well. And it's an important point that we, we're not saved by good works. But do note that the original context of this idea that the righteous shall live by faith is one of reality. Like, it's not just a philosophical proposition. The, and the idea here is that no matter what is going on around me, I'm going to lean on the promises of God. I'm going to be patient and remember that God is, is working out all things together for good. Um, this is how we endure evil, is by faith. Right by by relying on the promises of God uh, day by day. Okay. Any question on those themes? <laughs> yeah. It gets tough. It gets tough to live by faith all the time. Just living on the. Right. And it, it just, it, it's a tough position to be in. No, it is. I mean, basically, that's my life, you know. I, I get in my old car because I can't afford a new one, and I start it, and I drive to church. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, that car's not going to make it, so I'm just going to go in the house. You know? <laughs> right. And this is, this is where I, I really think the strength of, the practice of Lutheran worship and the practice of Lutheran theology is in some ways, and it's when I say that, of course, I just mean the biblical practice, um, but this, this idea of the means of grace and that uh, this is something I talk about when I teach the catechism is that in the means of grace, right, we have baptism, we have the word preached and read. We have uh, confession and absolution. And we have the Lord's Supper. Look, Daddy. Yeah, not right now. And um, in each of these things, we have the forgiveness of sins, right? We have the, the promise of righteousness. And why, the question I always pose to the catechumens is, why does God give us so much, right? Why 
if, if this is all the forgiveness of sins, baptism is the forgiveness of sins, the word is the forgiveness of sins, absolution is the forgiveness of sins, Lord's Supper is the forgiveness of sins, why does, why does God need to do that? Why, why not just give us one, right? Like one and done. Uh, why, why do we need to... Yeah, we constantly need it. That's that's I think the main reason, right? Now I think I also think that each of these things has their own kind of unique way that it affects the Christian, and the the a unique reason why it's given. But um, the the broader point here is that we constantly need these promises, right? And this is one of the reasons why I'm big on church attendance is um, not just like because it's better for the church at large if everyone's here every Sunday, but that this is what people need in their lives, right? I, I just can't, having, um, I mean, I, I know I'm preaching to the choir as well, but I just can't imagine going to church once a month and feeling like I've gotten what I need, you know? I, it's, it's just hard to imagine. So, anyhow, it is it is hard, but that what the thing that's that's good is that God is always ready to be there, right? And and not only do we have this, we also have we have prayer, right? We have daily devotions. We have we have uh, God gives us He equips us with what we need, right, to fight and to to live by faith. One of the we're gonna talk. I mean, there's tons of things we could talk about. One of the things we could also talk about is angels, right? We're and uh, we're gonna talk about that in the sermon today, so I won't give it away. But he also sends us his angels to to protect and guide us. So, all right, hey, stop, stop running around, guys. All right, uh, let's look at the uh, outline of the book. And this is kind of a somewhat important outline to get because of the way that it's structured specifically as as this lament. So um, basically there's two different, uh, the first first two um, there's two different argue, two different laments and then God responds to each of them. So the first lament is um, one Two to eleven, and then the second lament is one twelve through two five. And in the first lament, um, Habakkuk uh, is basically talking about how the Assyrians have invaded Israel, the northern kingdom, and how everything is going wrong. And then the Lord's response is great. After this first one, you know, Habakkuk's like, how long are you going to ignore me? The Assyrians have invaded. Everything's going wrong. And 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 then God says, yep, I'm going to send the Babylonians too. <laughs> um, then in the second lament, um, so let, let me let me say this. The, the uh, problem that. Habakkuk is really getting at here is what we would call divine justice. He feels like there's been an injustice. And 
we, we kind of get this idea about divine justice in that first argument. Okay, in the second argument, um, we kind of get what we would call the problem of evil. And with this problem of evil, the way that Habakkuk addresses this is basically um, your God, but there's all this death and killing around me, right? So um, kind of, you know, death, death of good, of good people, quote unquote, good people. If God is God, why is he allowing that to happen? And then uh, God's answer um, is, and this is, of course, through 2.5, that verse 2.4, right, is uh, patience and faith, right? Patience and faith. Wait to see how I'm working this out for good, right? The righteous shall live by faith. Okay. And then... After the arguing is kind of over, God talks, and in 2, 6 through 20, we get the Lord's justice. So this is where then the Lord says, okay, now that I've kind of gotten Habakkuk to the right place, now I'm going to tell you what I really think about the Assyrians and the Babylonians. right? So he does not... Um, God does not excuse the evil that's going on, right? And he does actually prophesy against the wickedness that's going on, right? So this is important because I think on one hand, right, we need to be, this is exactly where we need to be. Like we need to be like Habakkuk, that on one hand, we need to be told and reminded the righteous are going to live by faith. We need to be patient in the time that we live in, and we need to recognize that God is working out all things together for good. And we need to argue with God about that too, and we need to, to, to tell him what we really think. And, and we need to then hear these answers. On the other hand, we also need to hear that what you're worried about is a real concern. What you're concerned about is a real worry. That um, the evil that goes around on around us is real evil, right? And I, I think this is sometimes a mistake that modern Christians make is they kind of stop, um, you know, here and, and they say, well, there's really nothing that we can do about anything. We just need to live by faith. And, uh, you know, there, we just need to go and, 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 off in our, our little Christian corner and not, not worry about anything, right? And just try our hard to ignore what's going on around us. But that's not how God treats us, right? God, he does tell us to be patient and to live by faith and to recognize that he has things in control. But then he also tells us, I'm also going to take care of the evil, right? And you can fight for what's right, right? God does care about the children being sacrificed. And he does not excuse that, and he will punish that. right? So we need to hear that too. Um, all right. And then um, finally, chapter 3 is 
um, going back to Habakkuk's name, is the embracing. So this is where Habakkuk kind of speaks about embracing and accepting um, and submitting to to God's answer. Uh, And what he talks about there specifically is about creation, right? He recognizes this is kind of um, like one of the famous chapters in the Old Testament is Job 38, where God says, listen, Job, were you there when I when I made creation? Right. Were you there when I put everything together? Um, So it's that kind of idea that Habakkuk recognizes that God's the one who created everything and put everything in order. And so he doesn't really have any room to speak here. And then what we already talked about some is looking back on history, seeing how God has already worked through history for the good of the people. And he's going to do that again. And uh, then finally, um, that he's going to be patient, right? That this idea of patience, that uh, he's going to wait and see what God is going to do. And that's, that's good enough for now. All right, so that's the outline of the book. Um, we're at time. We'll do key passages next week. Any final questions on Habakkuk? All right, let's end in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for this day. We pray that you would bless the worship today, that it would be in spirit and in truth. And we pray that you would help us to live by faith in the promises that you continue to send us. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.